Hey everybody, it's Joe Trippy, and welcome back to That Trippy Show. This week, we've got a lot to talk about. The January 6th Select Committee has begun. There might be an infrastructure deal. Sure, sure looks like one's got life again. And Trump got handed his first loss of 2021. Um, we need to keep that up. Alex, where should we start? Oh, man, I, I think we should dive right into the, the select committee hearings because they they began this week and, and the Democrats, as we talked about, I think, on the last show, had Capitol Police officers testifying. And it was really powerful. Joe, what stood out to you from these hearings? Well, obviously, everybody's talking about the powerful uh, testimony of police officers, the heroes that defended the Capitol uh, that day. But, uh, you know, I think what stood out to me the most is who wasn't there, Jordan and banks. <laughs> I mean, is it is it not clear that the, you know, the Beltway media, both sides, uh, garbage, the backlash to Pelosi kicking those two insurrectionists off the commission wasn't the right call? I mean, could you could you imagine them uh, being I mean, by, uh, Jordan would have just been sitting there yelling the entire time, every time one of those officers opened their mouths. Uh, so it's clear that with Cheney, you know, with the, in Kensinger, the decor, the way the thing was handled, it was pretty clear, uh, you know, when you have adults in the room actually trying to find facts, it was pretty compelling stuff that's going to stand up over time. I mean, I think it was Amanda Marcotte over at Salon that said that the hearing showed that the facts are sturdy enough to stand up, even under the relentless partisanship of Republicans who would rather support a seditious ex-president than admit that Democrats are right about something. And, and again, that just points up uh, that wouldn't have happened, I don't think, with with Jordan or Banks there, particularly Jordan yelling over the officers. So that was, I think, really important. The one thing... I tell you who I would call as the next witness if I was Benny Thompson, because I think it would be the perfect bridge from these officers uh, to the rest of the of what the select committee is going to get into, and that'd be uh, Mitt Romney. I think uh, I don't know if they're thinking this way, but Mitt Romney, who's the you know former nominee for president of the GOP, their GOP senator, sitting senator in Utah, that footage of him going, moving towards the mob and Officer Goodman running to him, pulling him away, turning him around and sending him out of harm's way, I think would be the perfect bridge from those four officers' testimony. And I wouldn't get into a whole lot other than, did you think you were running away from tourists? Right. He did thank Officer Goodman, uh, and he, in his statement, he thanked him for keeping him out of harm's way. Again, sort of bridging now, and here's the, the beauty of this. I think that Romney would not require a subpoena, so uh, that he would likely do it and just be very factual about what happened that day, the fear he felt, uh, thanking the, the police officer, Goodman, for keeping him out of harm's way, turning him around and protecting them from the from the mob and the insurrectionists. And then anybody else now that you that requires a subpoena, the question is, 
well, wait a minute. Senator Romney, your own nominee for president, didn't require a subpoena. He, he came forward voluntarily. He testified to the facts. Why won't you, you know, whether it's McCarthy or Jim Jordan, which again, getting back to Jim Jordan, I mean, hell, there's no way he could be sitting on this thing. Nancy was totally right to, to boot him. He's, he's likely to be a witness uh, or somebody who's going to get called yeah. or, or damn well should be. So um, again, I just think that there's a way to sort of keep this bipartisanship that Kensinger and, and Cheney um, so clearly and the rest of the committee members and t- their tone, you know, keep moving that forward and have someone like Mitt Romney as a witness, as the next witness that bridges from these heroics of these police officers testifies uh, what they saw that day and then bridge to going into what happened could be very powerful and keep it moving. And what I think a lot of people and I think the media is still having an issue with is the audience for this is not the entire country. It is not trying to bring all 300 plus million of us under and sing Kumbaya. It's still, I think, I think in that same salon article, uh, Amanda Marcotte said people have this terminal case of bipartisan brain. This is for the people that we can peel off that are pro-democracy Republicans, which we'll get into later. This is not trying to get Jim Jordan to wake up and see the light, right? Right, right. But that's the, she's, she's right about terminal case of bipartisan brain that, that, and I think that, you know, She's right that we have to, it's about calling out these authoritarians and getting some of the pro-democracy Republicans out there. And there, uh, uh, there's polling that, that shows there's a significant, there's significant numbers of them that on a democracy versus anti-democratic tendencies of the, of the, and and what they saw in the insurrection on January 6th, that they're, they're on the pro-democracy side. It's appealing to them and getting them to see a lot of them haven't seen still because of Fox and the echo chamber they're in have not seen the footage or heard the facts. It, they, there's still going to be a problem getting to them, reaching them, but that should be part of the mission now. And that's why I think, again, calling Romney as a, as the next witness might invite more of that, more of that coverage and more of their willingness to listen to admit Romney before we, you know, as and then wonder, well, why is if Mitt Romney's testifying, why won't Jim Jordan? Why is Jim Jordan required? What's he afraid of? So I think that sort of sets that up. It's it's just a, a thought I had uh, this morning, and I, I think it makes sense. But you know, I'm sure I'm going to get yelled at in the comment section about Mitt Romney. But it's it's uh, the way I think we need to build this thing, the message. Joe, let's stay in Congress for a little longer. Uh, Other big news this week, the Senate's moving ahead on the infrastructure bill. And I feel like I said that before because I think it's at this point been months. You've said it many times. Yeah. 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 The Democrats negotiate a deal. They they get all excited. And then at some point, the Republicans walk away. But this time, it seems like uh, Rob Portman, I think, who's the head negotiator on the Republican side, and and, uh, Kristen Sinema from Arizona just announced that a deal has been struck again. So did it work this time? Did bipartisanship actually work? Uh, Well, look, I I think a a couple of things. One, um, the one thing most in Washington can agree on is, is spending money on things like infrastructure. And they may disagree about how much or, or which things, but 
there's going to if you can't if 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 regardless of all the other things that are going on the polarization this is something that traditionally there's been bipartisan agreement on i think it's only possible because biden's president the, uh, and i've always thought there will be because of that those two things one there's going to be a, an urge for enough Republicans to want to dole out things in, you know, whether it's rural broadband, uh, getting lead out of water. I mean, these are things that need to happen. They know that whether their authoritarian president is in the presidency or not, these things have to happen. So I think they're they're likely this is going to happen. Um, It's just a question, I think, about the the details. Well, not to be a homer, uh, but I, Trump tried for four years. I feel like it was infrastructure week for four years, right? And but he never got a deal done, and Biden got done in six months. It, I mean that that clearly speaks to Biden's ability to work with the Senate and kind of lower the temperature, well, right? Yeah, that, I mean that is my point too. I think look, it's possible because this is one issue that you can possibly bring people together, and two, you have a president, Joe Biden, who understands the Senate. And can do that. Trump couldn't bring anybody together to save his life and actually actively tried to blow everything up. Anytime anything looked like it might happen, he would be the one that would blow up the deal Uh, or, you know, nine times out of 10 he was. So I think it's clear that on this one issue, there's I think there will be enough bipartisan support to to get it passed. a bipartisan infrastructure bill that can get passed without uh, you know being you know override a filibuster if that's what needs to happen i think the votes will be there again though look if 17 republicans including mcconnell voted to move this to the next step and 17's pretty you know that that's a big number so it's a it, it's but but you got to remember there's but there's, yeah. <laughs> there's 40 got there's like there's like 30 people who, you know, still 30 entrenched, no way, we'll filibuster this, you know, uh, uh, senators. And and God knows this number could shrink from 17 d- down to the 10 we need by the time uh, we we get there. So, you know, I, and we still don't know where we'll go, you know, with reconciliation uh, and those mm-hmm. things. But no, I think this was, uh, you know, the hard, hardcore uh, Trumpists will vote no. Um, and you know, there'll be plenty of those in the in the House. But the the Republicans who voted yes, uh, a lot of them are either retiring uh, in safe seats or not facing primaries uh, next year. Right. And so we can get that now there. As I've said, look, a lot of these people are being held hostage. The only people or the bulk of the 17 that have said they'll vote for this infrastructure bill are host- they, they may be hostages, but they're not up, you know, right. next they're year. They're not facing the they're, music They're in retiring, two years. right. So there's only so, you know, they, they won't, they're, they're kind of have a little bit more room. And I think their room is on infrastructure. It's very popular out there. People across the board, including a lot of Republicans, including a lot of Trump Republicans, want infrastructure spending. And so I think this is, this is a place where they may be held hostage, but they can they can vote, uh, and and it looks like also McConnell is giving them the leeway to do it, right? Which is a big signal from him. So yeah, I think this will happen, um, but to, to don't everybody don't get, uh, you know, oh yeah, hey, bipartisanship has broken out. That 
that's you, you, you know we we just are not there that's not the world we're really in Right. Well, you look at the people who voted yes. There's some interesting names. There's the Susan Collinses of the world who've pretty much made it clear that they're not going to they're they're okay being disappointed with Trump every once in a while or whatever. But you have some really conservative names on that list, which to me says that the 30, 32, whoever voted no, this was not a I'm conservative, so I don't want to spend money. I mean, when Mike, Mike Crapo or John Haven or these these really, really conservative Western senators are voting for a, a trillion dollar bill. It it, it really actually kind of underscores that the, the no's were not no's because of some weird conservative bent. You know, this just goes to Trump still has a hold on the party. The, the, like we were talking, the most people, most of these people who voted are either not up next time, um, do not fear that they're going to be primaried if they are, uh, and so if they, if this is going to, if this infrastructure is going to make a difference in their state and it's going to make a difference in all 50 states, but you know, but if it's going to make a difference in their state, it's something they can go back and say they did and they don't have to t- suffer the wrath of Trump. I mean, because even if he launches on them, they don't have a primary opponent or they're not up for six years. So, or four. So, uh, I think you know, look, this is not like somehow, you know, bipartisanship is is breaking out. It's the same thing with the vaccines. I mean, all of a sudden, you're starting to see Republican governors uh, start and, and others in the Republican Party uh, start talking a little bit more about the need to get vaccines. It's not get people get vaccinated. It's not. It's you know th- they can count, right? Uh, you know, it's like uh, uh, this isn't bipartisanship. They've just realized, hey. A lot, uh, you you know, we're now, it's hitting our states and our voters, and all of a sudden, geez, they're really worried about it. But that's all it is. This is still a movement that is about achieving um, power and and holding it uh, and not... You know, no, that none of them are suddenly worried about. I mean, I'm glad they're telling people to get vaccinated. First of all, let's make that clear. I'm really happy about that. But I, I, I think there's a reason that they've suddenly got really interested in it as they see this next wave really hurt, hitting red states harder. Uh, if these were blue states, that you know, that were were suffering, it's unclear to me that they'd be, uh, you know, all. Uh, all out there uh, doing what they're doing right now. So, Joe, with with the infrastructure bill and you're starting to see some Republican governors starting to do the right thing on vaccines, is that a sign that hopefully these two parties, minus the Trumpists, of course, are actually coming together? No. It's a sign that it's in their self-interest to support a bipartisan infrastructure bill that's very popular with the with the American public. And two, they're realizing they're way behind the curve and their negatives are going up as more and more of their own people and their their states are uh, increasing, seeing increases in COVID. Uh, and so, they, you know, this isn't bipartisan, this is self-preservation and that's all it is. And I think that uh, you cannot, uh, you cannot you know, count any of this as bipartisanship. The bipartisanship that is occurring is Joe Biden, Joe Manchin, 
the people who are trying to govern, and this is where I still continue to say that we have to give them room because, yeah, they have to try to get the, the 10 or 15 or 17 votes to move the infrastructure uh, bill forward. There are Republicans in the Senate that Biden can talk to um, where a deal can be struck, again, in their own interest. And that's what politics and governing is about. It's about finding some self-interest with who you're negotiating with and, and, and coming to agreement. Yes, cutting a deal. Uh, and so I think that's where I'm really happy, uh, again, that Joe Biden's uh, our president, because I think that's he has that skill. I think it's very tough with a 50-50 Senate, but he's getting what he can get done. And the, this infrastructure bill is pretty big. It's a big deal. The left won't be happy with it, but okay, if they try to blow it up, uh, you get nothing. You're just going to push whatever votes Biden's and everybody on the you know who's been working on this have pulled together, push them away. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Nancy Pelosi can count. I think Biden can count, uh, and I think Schumer can count. And they're going to hold if, if they believe they have the votes, they're going to get this thing passed. That's not out of bipartisanship from the GOP. That's because these people know how to govern. They're working to do it and get things done and, and keep the country moving while in the midst of the country being under the attack of an authoritarian movement, you know, ongoing threat of that. Uh, that's a, a pretty um, tough set of things to pull off, but I think they are. So let's stay in the Senate, Joe. Obviously, the other big news this week, uh, I think it was Manchin, Warnock, and a couple others announced the new framework for a revised voting rights bill. Uh, Joe, are we finally going to be able to get something done there? Uh, I don't know, but we have to. I mean, I don't know. Uh, there was a new analysis by Target Smart that came out today. Ari Berman, excuse me, uh, at Mother Jones put it out, uh, put out the report. And listen to this, folks. It finds that the GOP would pick up five seats in Florida, three in Texas, three in Georgia, and two in North Carolina through gerrymandering, giving them control of the House in 2022. That's what that report uh, that came out today says. Now, just to give you how crazy this is, this would mean that Democrats could win 50% of the vote in Georgia but control only 20% of House seats. Right. Okay, that's not two parties. That's not bipartisanship. That's how far this autocratic movement is going. And, the, and that means there has to be a floor of national standards that states have to meet to protect voting rights and to make sure that people have the right to vote. And in that has to be a ban on partisan gerrymandering and using, you know, computer modeling to, to design seats that are uh, representative of, of the people. And, and so the mansion, that's where I think, um, first of all, I think mansion is a very good uh, person to lead this. It's sort of, I think help secure his vote right away. I, I mean, he's working on this. He he's got to be for it. Whatever he you know the the final thing that, that gets put put out there. And then if the Republicans filibuster it, I think that makes it more likely, be you know that that he 
decides there needs to be uh, an exception on voting rights. Uh, so, you know, I think the, the, the pieces are there, but, you know, you got to understand what is going on. So this, this is exactly what I was saying about the infrastructure bill. So, yeah, here you've got governing and there are, uh, you know, pulling together uh, the votes on the Republican side for infrastructure to just to get something done for the American people. That that happens. And still 30 or so of them are going to sit there uh, and submit and say, hell no, we're not going to give you a vote. At the same time, those same elements that are in control in a lot of these states are dismantling and diminishing the right to vote uh, and making it tougher. And that is the threat in 2022 as we continue uh, you know, to, to see that the, the democracy that, uh, that, that we've all sworn and <laughs> that this is you know, the country we want, that, we're, that we live in a, a, a democracy where, where, yeah, all people are equal and we uh, and, uh, have, the, have equal rights, at least. It's all under threat. And we have to fight that every inch of the way. And that's, I mean, that's again why, one of the reasons I joined the Lincoln Project. It's one of the reasons uh, you and I start helped start Pr Project 147 to go after the 147 insurrectionists that voted not to certify the election. Not all of them, but try to pick off uh, the 12 or 13 that might be vulnerable enough so we don't waste resources, but we get, we make sure these people can never take the majority. And that has to start with a Voting Rights Act. And it looks to me like the what Manchin, Warnock, and others are working on right now stands the best chance. Again, because who's leading on it? If all 50 Democrats are there and the Republicans will not vote for this revised new framework that Manchin's put out there, if they won't do that, if they're going to filibuster it, then I think it makes it likelier that Joe Manchin, uh, you know, that the 50 votes will be that the votes will be there to pass it. And as an exemption to the to the voting to, to the uh, as exemption to the uh, filibuster. And in that same uh, tweet thread, I think Ari Berman said you can't out organize extreme gerrymandering. Well, though, no, that's uh, Eric Holder said that, too. Yeah. Uh, maybe it was Ari. Uh, quoting uh, Eric Holder, I don't, I don't remember, but Holder, you cannot out organize extreme gerrymandering. It's not possible, right? Uh, and I know there's some reports that that's where the Biden folks are. That hey, we'll we'll just out organize them uh, when we, if we don't pass this thing. That no, uh, if we don't pass yeah. some uh, national standard, you know, at, at I mean, protecting it across the board uh, at at, at least setting a basement of which a state cannot go under in terms of what it can do. Uh, and gerrymandering, partisan gerrymandering has to be, a ban on that has to be part of it. If we can't get that passed, then I think the it, it's really difficult to see how you win, how we win the House, uh, uh, keep the majority of the House in 2022. You know, up to, um, in Georgia, for instance, up to, 300,000 Georgians, nearly all of them people of color, wouldn't have been able to vote 
uh, under the rules that are now right. being being. And, and what was that margin in Georgia? Yeah, twelve thousand six hundred seventy votes, and the Senate was was you know uh, not not a whole lot less close than that. You know, I mean, right. it was all it was it, so the, those two Senate seats. So, Alex, somebody in uh, Stacey Abrams' group, uh, I think, summed it up in Politico. I don't remember who it was, but just said, "Look, if we can't." repeat how we won in 2020, we're fucked. Yeah. Uh, and I just told you 300,000 Georgians, nearly all people of color would not be able to vote under these rules, under these new rules, or at least they would be restricted. They'd have a tougher time voting. I mean, you know, it'd be making it very, very tough for them to vote. Uh, well, that says you, you're not going to be likely to repeat uh, how we won in 2020 if that's the case. You also have, you know, 18 states already re passing restrictions. 20 more are considering them. We all know that. We have to keep fighting and we have to give Manchin and Warnock, you know, all the support we can to put as much pressure on the Republicans that are gettable. There are, you know, we saw 17 on the infrastructure. Won't be anywhere near that on this. And if they unite with a filibuster, uh, then I think we just got to break it. And we've got to support uh, and urge Manchin, Warnock, all of them. I mean, many of them are already there. Manchin isn't quite there yet, but I hope he will be. And I'm going to do everything I can, and you should too, to get him there uh, if this if this uh, move by, of his fails. Joe, it's been a while, but wanted to give a, a quick 147 update. This is after the Texas 6th District Special Election that a lot of you listeners helped helped us with. But the 147's candidate, who was uh, Ron Wright's widow, uh, he passed away due to COVID complications and was the Trump-endorsed candidate, uh, he, she actually lost to a much more moderate candidate that Trump didn't endorse. Uh, yeah, Jana Sanchez, yeah, well, Jana Sanchez was our candidate that we were trying to yeah. help out. Uh, she, she lost the. This really actually ticks me off because she lost that uh, getting into this runoff by like 325 votes. I think Alex, if I remember right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a lot of people on the podcast did did help and made small contributions to her uh, through Project uh, 147 Operation 147. But yeah, uh, so we softened her up a little bit, right? But uh, yeah, she was uh, Trump's endorsed candidate, and he lost. I'm not sure what the takeaway is, though. I mean, because no matter what, you know, because there was no Democrat in this race, it clearly it doesn't matter. First of all, I think it shows Democrats need to compete everywhere. We should have pre competed uh, stronger in this district in the in the in the jungle primary. It's good, though that Wright was defeated, endorsed by Trump. And there's already, you know, Trump world is bickering over, you know, over who caused it, how did they lose? And they're blaming Club for Growth for, for lying to them and leading them astray about how this was, uh, you know, Wright was a done deal, going to be a uh, win for sure, given all the money that Trump's pack and they were spending. And it shows that Trump's endorsement and late money might be enough, not be enough in close races. But more important, this is something I've been, you know, I've always thought this, it particularly, and we saw this in, in Alabama, you know, we saw it in 18, 
2018. When Trump's not on the ballot, he he doesn't get that same. Um, uh, he gets a lot of the same noise from folks uh, that support him, but he doesn't get the same energy and vote for other people. Um, and I think that's what we may have seen here again, that it didn't happen in 2018. Of course, 2016, 2020, he's on the ballot. That is what saved, I think, a lot of GOP senators in 2020 and um, created the problem that we suffered in the House uh, in, in 2020 with Biden uh, uh, winning, but us not uh, gaining seats, in fact, lo losing seats. So I think you're seeing in 2018, 2017 with Doug Jones, they did not turn out, we did. 2018, we turned our folks out. Again, he didn't get that kind of energy. Now in a Republican versus Republican fight, you would have thought the most energized people in the Republican Party would be the Trumpies. Right. And it didn't and it didn't happen. So now let's look at Ohio that's coming up. That's going to be very interesting. I want to follow this whole turnout thing and see where things are at. I do also want to caution, though, that I don't want to play into what the Biden um, operation. I'm not talking about the political operation or just the rumors and reporting that they think they can outorganize the gerrymandering and things, the, the tactics of 20 that they're going to do to us in 2022. I don't believe that's true. In other words, even if we do see this drop off continue, these are still like this district, Texas six, it's a safe Republican district. It's going to be safer when they draw the lines. They will be. So it, I don't think um, it's good news uh, that they're having this fight. It's a good sign that turnout seems to have mimicked what happens when he's not on the ballot. Uh, we'll need that in 2022. <laughs> Trust me, we're going to need all, every one of these things, including our own strong organization to get out the vote, our own a drop off on their side. But with extreme gerrymandering, that's going to raise the bar uh, to this place that's going to be very tough. So we all have to fight. We have to uh, get behind this, the, the Voting Rights uh, Act and make sure that the Manchin proposal is what, you know, revised uh, Voting Rights Act is what is at the minimum what gets passed. Joe, I think that's just about all the time we have this week. Well, thanks, Alex. And thanks for listening to that trippy show, everybody. We'll be back next Friday at the usual time. Uh, as always, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple or wherever you listen. Um, and occasionally we are throwing a Tuesday show at you, uh, so be on the lookout for those. You can always send us a question to thattrippyshow at gmail.com or leave us a question in the review on iTunes. And I promise you, next time, Alex will be a little sharper. See you next Friday.